Hello, my name is Will Spencer, and you're listening to the Renaissance of Men podcast, a place for extended, in-depth discussions about the rebirth of masculinity happening around the world today. This is episode number four of my series with my good friend Jonathan West, host of the Being Husband podcast and the founder of Suburban Farm Guy. Because we're both heading into new seasons of our lives, our series has a new name, kinda. So welcome to episode four of Grace and the Renaissance. This is a time of transformation. As old ways fall, men are called to rise, to heal our lives, grow strong, and transcend our limitations. In tribes around the world, drawing on the best of masculinity from all of time, a new day is beginning. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance. For a man, there's no blessing greater than that of a friend. Yes, of course, a wife, children, a home, and a successful career are important. But the value of friendship to men can't be overstated. Good friends are there for a man before the wife comes around. They often help the man get his girlfriend to become his wife in the first place. Sometimes they even make the introduction. Good friends are there for the birth of children housewarming parties, and to celebrate career success. And long after the kids have left, the career has wound down, and life begins to slow a bit. Good friends are there on the porch, in the rocking chair, as stewards for each other's favorite memories. For men, good friends are the foundation of many good things. But they're becoming increasingly rare in our modern age. I saw a study that said one in five single men say they have no close friends. I know for a fact that men also struggle to keep friendships after they're married, so I doubt that figure improves at all. Which is why, for all its flaws, the men's movement up until this point has had one unmistakably positive impact, and that's to wake men and women up to the necessity of men finding their way back to each other, back to friendships and brotherhood. Whether it be jiu-jitsu schools, shooting ranges, fishing trips, cigar nights, or even online chat groups, men are finding their way back into community, and it's a beautiful thing to see. Because I suspect that men forming bonds of trust and friendship is something Empire doesn't want. In fact, it's been a multi-decade project to undermine men's trust in each other through awful words like bromance that sexualize our friendships, and the promotion of what my friend Cameron Praxis of Man calls boomer masculinity, where manhood is defined by what you consume like football or beer or bacon, in your man cave. Genuine male friendships transcend these cultural cliches. In fact, they lay waste to them. Because male friendships are powerful and even dangerous things. They're when men are able to say to each other, Hey, I don't know who else I can talk to about this, but did you see the news the other day? That's kind of messed up. And that's how revolutions start. Maybe even a renaissance. Which is why I'm grateful for this podcast series with my friend, Jonathan West. This guy means a lot to me, and to say more about that would only take away from the importance of the sentiment. But I think you'll hear the bond in our conversation. Because this is our fifth total conversation on the podcast, I've done some pretty long episodes, but I've talked to Jonathan more than anyone else. 
And if you go back through all the episodes from our first one, you can actually hear the friendship grow and change. I'm not sure about you, but it seems to me that having something like that recorded is a pretty incredible blessing. And befitting our growth as friends and men, our conversations have changed over time. We started the series with the intention of holding an open conversation about race in America, one of our great cultural taboos. But as I've grown in my faith, Jonathan has become a father and small business owner, and the race war in America has died down, at least for now. We've started talking about a broader range of topics, not just race. And for us, it often comes back to faith. So we decided to change the title to reflect that change, rather than race in the Renaissance. The series is now called Grace and the Renaissance. A minor change, but as they say, God is in the details. In our conversation, Jonathan and I discussed ancient aliens and angelology, the limitations of the red pill and materialism, post-mill versus pre-mill philosophy, what it means to have an unaskable question, God as the great author, and the founding of his new small business, Suburban Farm Guy. If you enjoy the Renaissance of Men podcast, thank you. Please take a minute to leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Ren of Men, or subscribe to my mailing list by visiting my website at renofmen.com slash newsletter. Also, thanks so much to everyone who went to Spotify and added their five-star review. I'm now sitting at a 4.6 with 119 reviews, which is 48 more than last week. What that says to me is A, 48 of you are awesome, thanks for doing me a solid, and B, that the review bombing must have been far worse than I realized. If after 55 star reviews, my score only went up two-tenths of a point, well, they must have hit me hard. And thank you to everyone who reached out with words of support, encouragement, and appreciation for my last episode with Annalise from Feminine Not Feminist and for the show overall. I'm thrilled you get so much from my work. It's why I do everything I do. So once again, if you're listening on Spotify, please click that five-star review button and let folks know. Thank you so much. So it gives me great pleasure to introduce this week's guest on the Renaissance of Men podcast, Grace and the Renaissance, a husband, father, small business owner, brother in Christ, and friend, Jonathan West. All right, Jonathan, we're back for episode number four. Here we go. I don't know why I'm laughing, but I just, every time I think about us getting on the, the mic, just I feel like there's trouble always brewing. Like yeah. We're always going to say something. That's not right to say. Probably, probably <laughs> closer, closer and closer. We walk to, uh, to just fully drawing down the thunder. Yeah. I, I wonder when we're going to do the episode about ancient aliens and Nephilim. I think that's got to be coming. Maybe. Let me, let me check my calendar. How does uh, August 30th work for you? <laughs> Sounds good. Let's do it. <laughs> Let's do it. All right. I don't actually know. My, this is just where we're going now. Listen, I don't actually know much about ancient aliens. Listen, um, and I didn't at first, but I've, oh, here we there's go. so much to know. <laughs> like okay. I, basically, okay. So are we doing, are we doing this? Are we about to do we're it? doing this. This okay. is happening. Okay. Too late. All right. So basically. I got nothing else. <laughs> all right. So basically, um, so I used to watch ancient aliens growing up on the history channel. And I was always fascinated by the idea that ancient people groups all over the world all talk about encountering the gods. All of them talk about encountering the gods. Okay. And then 
when I started looking at scripture and I have, there's this, that one section in Genesis that nobody ever talks about where mm-hmm. the sons of God come down and mate with the daughters of man. Nobody has a conversation about that. Pastors won't nope. touch it. Um, lay members are like, I don't know. And so uh-huh. no one ever has the conversation. And what I read, as, as most curious people do, is I read the book of Enoch, which is what they consider extra biblical, non-canonical text. Um, okay. But when you read the book of Enoch, because um, the ancient church would have read that. Like that's not like mm-hmm. when I say ancient church, I mean like the Acts church, right? When, when Jesus is first yeah, establishing yeah, his church, they would have read that, that, that uh, book of the Bible. It's only later on as we uh, got more, say, organized and formed and you know, Council of Nicaea met and, mm-hmm. and decided that that wasn't a book that we needed to have in the canon. So they okay. took it out. But when you read Enoch, it goes into detail about who the sons of man actually are, or so, sorry, sons of God actually are. And mm-hmm. it talks about them. It's basically the Eternals. If you've ever seen the Eternals in Marvel, anybody that's listening, I've, I've not seen it. What I've been told the is the new that, woke, the new woke show. <laughs> yeah, but what's so, so yeah. the Eternals <clears throat> is the Book of Enoch. It's about the 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 gods coming down. Right. I'm serious, coming down to Earth and teaching various skills and technology to human beings. Um, we're like three minutes in. We're just going for there. it. <laughs> just going for it. Record time, zero to sixty. Don't don't make me do Alex Jones in here. I don't might. make me do it. <laughs> <laughs> Don't make me make you. <laughs> right. So okay, so book of no, Enoch, you're, you're, the Eternals. Yeah, and so, so the long and short of it is, I don't want to go down the whole thing, but the long and short of it yeah, is, yeah. is that they're the sons of God are the Elo, the Elohim, right? And yes. the Elohim are the the angels, right? There, these mm-hmm. you've got two groups of angels. You got the you know the cherubim, you got the Elohim and seraphim, right? And the Elohim mm-hmm. are a group of angels that. A third of them, that's what it talks about. In the, in, I forget what book that is. I think it's Ezekiel. When it talks about a third of them were mm-hmm. casted out with, uh, yep. with the Satan. Those are the fallen angels. And so they're just here on earth roaming around. I don't know where they are. I don't see them. But, I mean, they're around. And um, they're not, they've, you know, as far as I know, they've not been casted into the lake of fire, right? They're just here roaming around until Jesus comes back. And so mm-hmm. that was fascinating to me because. That's no one ever connects, at least at least in my world. I grew up Baptist, missionary Baptist, Middle Tennessee, right? Mm-hmm. We're not having conversations about aliens and Elohim. We're just not having those conversations. No. But how past the peas. Aliens. <laughs> no, no, past the fried chicken, my brother. That's that's, fried that's how it is in the Baptist church, oh, man. Oh, I'm gonna go there. When you when you hear the Lord of Lords or the Lord of Hosts. That has a different connotation when you think about this idea that there were people that worshiped fallen angels, right? That were powerful, but then we worship a God that is the Lord of hosts. Like that's Mm -hmm. massive, right? That's a massive cosmology. And I don't think the the modern church has done a really good job at cosmology at making the making God look glorious. I don't I think he's just uh, the way that we understand him, he's a God that wants us to behave. He's God that wants us to, you know, pay our taxes, tithe, yep. right? Don't be too mean to the neighbors or whatever. But there's not a cosmology yeah. that says God is actually the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the universe. And the universe is mm-hmm. vast and there are powerful beings within that. And he's the God over them. And in fact, his son 
God is so bad. And this is actually in uh, that Blurry Creatures podcast I sent you. God is so bad. He's such a bad boy. He's, he's just such a cool guy that in spite of the powerful angelic beings that exist on the earth, mm-hmm. he sent his son down as a baby in a cave. <laughs> what a flex. Yeah. Right? Major flex. Major yeah. flex. Announced it in the down. sky, I'm gonna send, too. I'm going to send my son down as a baby and you still yeah. can't touch him. That's you right. know what I'm saying? That's the God that we yeah. worship. And I just, I just wish somebody would have painted that picture when I was young because like, I just would have lived my life. Maybe I would have lived my life better or different, but I definitely would have lived it differently because um, now I see it and I'm just like, whoa, like God is like a big God and a big deal. And like, he's my dad. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> yeah, that work. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I do. I, I do. There's an there's a author, Michael Heiser. And he wrote a book called uh, Supernatural, mm. which is the shorter version of his longer work, which is called The Unseen Realm, which mm. is all about this. Because mm. I guess the, the way that, um, like, it, you could, there's an example of this in Genesis, like mm. uh, male and female, uh, he made them in our image or something mm. like that. The, yes. It's an actual, like a plural pronoun, not my, yes. but our, yeah. right? And so then you have the Nephilim and you have all the different all those different like weird things that are in the Bible that are just kind of like glossed over. Right. And so, so I guess he said about doing in, in the unseen realm and then in the simpler version for supernatural to break this down and be like, what's actually going on here. This stuff, Mm. this is all in the Bible Mm. of, of the actual portrait of the cosmos that isn't really, it's not really talked about, you Mm. know? And I guess I can understand why, because, you know, there's so many urgent matters of everyday of everyday life to tackle. Yeah. And what kind of pastor is really going to get it today? We're going to talk about Nephilim. angelology, Nephilim. Yeah. Like people will walk away. I mean, people will legit walk away and be like, pastor went crazy. Definitely. Lost his mind. Well, for yeah. sure. And, and then there's also the temptation, right? Because there were people that worshiped the gods, right? The, the Elohim, mm. right? Yeah. So there's also that temptation that, oh, wow. So this one taught that. I wonder how much more I can dig into that because there is that temptation to yes. wield the earth, to wield the material world, right? I mean, that, that's kind of, you know, your, your whole story with understanding about the, the, the tarot cards and a lot of that stuff. That stuff mm-hmm. is legit. It's a thing. It's legit. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's not thing. forbidden because it's, it's not forbidden because it's fake, <laughs> right? <laughs> Correct. Yeah. They don't well, censor, they don't censor lies. They censor truth. That's, correct. I mean, in this case, in this case, it isn't censorship, mm-hmm. right? It's not, it's right. like, it's, it's it, in this case, it's like, don't go messing with that because Bingo. you will lose yourself in it. Right. Bingo. Which is right. what's designed to do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, it's, it's designed for, it's designed for you to, again, wield, wield the material world. And yeah. because, because your heart, our hearts are desperately wicked. Who can know them? Yes. You don't yes. need that power. Me and you don't need that power. I, I, yeah. the little bit of power that I have, I can't wield it right. Let alone if I could right. wield reality. You know what I'm saying? Well, yes. Like, exa- that's yes. a big problem. <laughs> it's a huge problem. It's a huge problem. And you try to explain this to people. And, and, um, and when, you, when you break it down this way, because the occult stuff, tarot cards, Kabbalah, all that stuff, you know, it's, it's, very, it's very complex. It's mm. super complex. Like you could spend a lifetime studying it. And so until you actually think about what you're studying, you know, it's like, well, why, what is this all for? It's, it's a for reality creation. Mm. It's for manipulating reality in alignment with your desires. Now it's unclear 
whether you in your own mind have the ability to to manipulate reality or really you're just changing your own mind to perceive things in your environment that are already there. It's that's unclear. Mm. But what is incontrovertibly clear is that during the process of working with these occult techniques, you are taught to main to make contact with higher beings. Wow. Right. So you are taught to how to contact their angels or their fallen angels, right? right? And they will give you wisdom and knowledge and information and it's never free. And that's mm. how you manifest your will. Right. Mm. So you give, you know, their, for, from their perspective, the material realm is like, it's cheap. It's nothing. It's just dirt. Have all the money you want. What's precious is, is the soul. Wow. That's what they want. <laughs> and, and so that's the trade off that people don't realize until they get too far into it. Right. Cause wow. it's very seductive. And then wow. you can, you can use these techniques to do that. Now that stuff I never studied. Mm. I never, like I did, I did graze right over the top, but I was actively, I believe, prevented by God from learning that stuff. Like, cause that, cause, well, cause I took this course, it was like 15 years worth of, it was supposed to be 15 years worth of study. I just studied for two years. The, so I I passed through, um, three grades. So first grade, second grade, and third grade taking written exams at the end of all three. And then the fourth grade was supposed to, was the title of the actual course was how to contact higher beings. And I could never get into it. I received some of the lessons, but could literally never read them. That was the fourth title. Wow. That was what I was supposed to learn. And that's the thing. And, and where does it go from there? Wow. And so that's why these things are forbidden is because you're making contact. You're taught to focus your mind and make contact with people you're not supposed to be talking to. Yeah. <laughs> Jeez, yeah. dude. You, um, you're a fascinating guy because uh, <laughs> I, I, think, I think what's really um, unique is that you've studied everything. And landed everything. I mean, everything. like the, the stuff you're not supposed to do, you kind of oh, yeah. did it. You just did it. Yeah. You know what yeah, I'm saying? I didn't know and I'm like, supposed to do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I, you know, the way like I, I grew up, uh, like I said, missionary Baptist, and you know, very, uh, I would say, pretty sheltered. Um, I was, a, I was a, you know, good kid. It's not really a good kid. It's just a kid that hides what they do to perceive themselves as good, but. But I, but I never, because, because of that perception, there's only so far I could go before you can just realize that this kid's into some trouble. And so I never really got into too much serious trouble. You went a lot of places mm-hmm. and then came back on the other side and landed on Christianity. Like you landed yeah. on faith in Christ. And mm-hmm. is that rare? Like, is that rare that people do that and then land in Christianity? Or is that kind of the path usually? So that's a good question. So this is the this is the difference between you and me, though. I never got into anything that would get me in like objective material trouble. Mm-hmm. Like I was the I wasn't the good kid who was who was hiding things. Mm-hmm. I was just the kid who never did anything. Right. Like never, <laughs> you know, that was the thing. I wasn't actually doing any bad stuff, but I always had freedom of mind. Mm-hmm. Like I could explore and read as much as I wanted. And that's just how I was. Mm-hmm. And so like you can't actually get in trouble. And I didn't do it because I was avoiding getting in trouble. I did it because I was in, genuinely interested in it. Right. Um, so, like, there's a whole side of life that I had to go out and experience later, like how to how to actually like get in trouble, like get yeah. in real trouble, right? <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. A, that's the difference. But I mean, I could say that the same for for both of us. It's like how like you went and you actually did bad things that you hid, and you had to come into reconciliation with Christ. How rare is that? right mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. that's for me like yeah i go i went on walkabout out there into the world of spirit and ended up in christianity which i think is probably it's becoming increasingly common 
Yeah. And you went on walkabout on the material world and did a whole bunch of sinful things. And you found your way back into reconciliation too, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it is a blessing in that way uh, to have yeah. that hedge of protection around you, around you because the world, That's true. when you recognize, and you know this too, when you recognize how powerful a lot of that other stuff is, uh, whether it's the temptations of the world, lust of the eyes, lust of the flesh, or pride of life, like when you recognize the power of those things, um, to possess you and for you not to, for you, it's funny. So what it is, you try to do the thing. If you're God's, if you're one of God's sons, you try to do the things. You try to go knee deep into it, right? I'm going to go knee deep into money. I'm going to go knee deep into illegitimate yeah. sex. I'm going to go knee deep into, you know, full vent to my pride. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't work out. God will not let you do it. Ecclesiastes. Yes. Yeah. He won't let you do it. Um, mm-hmm. Because you're his and he's got a plan for your life and all this, but he does give people over to those things. And so then you look at those people mm-hmm. and you say, well, like they look like they've got good things, right? Why do, why do the, what the proverb says, why do the wicked prosper? And, and it's not that they, it's not that they, so they do prosper in a material sense, but you, it's, it's one thing that you wrote actually in your blog post is like, you know, what is it? Losing the whole world and gaining my soul. Right. Mm-hmm. You can have all of that. And this is where I'm, I'm converging a lot of different conversations. This is where the red pill kind of goes wrong is that mm. it's only it's only prescription. To getting out of the matrix is to be materially successful. Power, power, yeah. will to power Nietzsche. And there's no mm-hmm. conversation mm-hmm. about spirit. There's no conversation about soul. There's no conversation about. God and increasingly more now there's more conversation about God but I mean from the jump the red I mean but that, I don't even know that yeah. that's red pill anymore at that point I think it's just men talking <laughs> cuz right, the red yeah. the red pill like fundamentally is you know about evo psych and Dar- darwinian concepts of the world which explain and this is this is fascinating it explains a lot about reality it just doesn't explain the big questions. Why do bad things happen to good people? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what am I here for? It, it gives you no real answer for purpose mm-hmm. apart from uh, you're here to, uh, I, I guess, just a mate. F <laughs> bitches get money. <laughs> right. That's, that's, yeah. it. that's all it can provide. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, and it's, uh, what do, I was going to ask you this. Do you think that uh, the, the kind of, conversation that's centered around material success in the men's movement is, is over or ending now? No, I think it's, I think it's, um, I think it's metastasizing, unfortunately. Um, and you know, I've, I've struggled a lot with this, um, because there is a component of it that's true. Yes. Like there is a, there is a component of which, like if you as a man are avoiding your material, material responsibilities, to take care of your body and have a successful career mm-hmm. and, you know, not, not waste your life in video games and porn. Like if you're, if you're neglecting those responsibilities, none of your high spiritual leanings, let's say mean anything. Cause mm-hmm. I was always, that was the thing is that I was, I had read, this is before I traveled. I had read all kinds of books on spirituality. You could talk about it, but I couldn't actually actual, I couldn't actualize anything in my life. Now there are lots of reasons for that, mm-hmm. you know, but it, but it, but 
it wouldn't have mattered to anyone in the men's movement, which I wasn't a part of at the time. Like, oh, congratulations, you know all the spiritual stuff, but you have no receipts, right? Mm -hmm. So there is a component that men need to be able to produce receipts. But the problem is that men get stuck there as yeah. they never leave that. And, yeah. and um, it's, it's, it's a lot of, um, I'm going to, so my pastor, Jeff Durbin, a, an apologist said that um, the way he said this weekend, brilliant sermon, I'll link it in the show notes. Mm. He said, the way you know it's a man-made uh, religion is that it's all law with no relationship. Yep. And I was like, boom. And so the red pill is all law. No, especially with regard to women, right? Yes. So there's no relationship and there's no spirit. It's all money, but no women, no spirit. Mm -hmm. And and mm -hmm. um, it's it's like it's so basic. It's so basic. It's one hundred one for at. sure. Yeah, but so many guys are at one hundred one. That's mm -hmm. the thing. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so I don't know what to, I don't know what to you know. Is it ending? Some guys have moved beyond that, and they yeah. have the chance to lead. Some guys need that, and yeah. so. You know, so my whole thing is I just try to reconcile the two and be like, look, just meet guys where they're at mm -hmm. and just let them know that wherever you're at is not the end of the journey. And you That's have to right. graduate out yeah. of the funnel. That's man. I couldn't have said it better because I, I really I really think that that's it's it is it's one on one. Right. How women yeah. work, <laughs> how mm -hmm. how how the world works. One on one. Here's hypergamy. Hypergamy. Yeah, it's a thing. It's an actual thing that exists. But a lot of guys didn't know that. Most no. men don't know that, I would say. No. Nope. Even now. No. Um, and, and so once a guy gets exposed to that and he sees the reality, that can get you in a constant loop of, okay, let me, let me just focus on hypergamy, hypergamy, hypergamy. Let me just focus on uh, you know, being the alpha giga Chad or the alpha giga Tyrone or whatever the case is, and never getting to the place where um, you are leading a family or leading a community of people. Yes. And yes. that's, and, and the reality is, um, the, the moment that we're in right now is it's not, it's not that it's not, it's not that it's not something that material can alleviate, but it's not something that material can fundamentally alleviate. A lot of the stuff right. that's going on right now is is spiritual. Mm -hmm. um, people's families broke up over this COVID thing. Yeah, that actually happened. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying. It's gonna get worse. It's gonna get worse. It's gonna get worse. Um, yeah. I pray for those families that are doing that because it's just like, yeah. yo, like it's not it. <laughs> it's it's if you can let a box that shoots you ideas, break up your family, like your biological family, like what else can it do? I mean, that's crazy. And shatter kids' gender identities, sexual identities. Gender is not a thing. Gender is not a right? thing. Gender is not a thing. There are sexes, there are no genders. Correct. And, that, and I, I don't know that we've been very clear about, not we, me and you, but we as in the collective uh, uh discourse have been clear that there's only sex as gender is is a construction in itself it's an um, invented thing gender yeah. is socially constructed is what they say it's like yes because the whole idea of gender is socially constructed you made it up you made it <laughs> source i made it up you made, <laughs> you made it up you had made it up to justify things your idea that things are made up like congratulations on your self-justifying theory <laughs> do you i mean 
And it's crazy because when you look at it, like when you look at situations like that, that the the ideas that are being pumped in the television, like it's not, and, and, and the material guy, so here's the thing, the material guy only sees it as, oh, they're just trying to get rich. Oh, they're just trying to get money. He would never say that they're actually intentionally trying to enact evil on people. And no, they, because I think in most cases, like it, it's it's like it's like a lesser of two evils situation. Yeah. It's like is being attached to Globo McDisney Corp and, and having that, you know, and <laughs> Zuckerdoodle. Zuckerdoodle. <laughs> having that be your income, like that's objectively evil. So if you have a if you have a hustle on the internet, you know, through social media and you sell coaching and courses, like is that evil that you want to be financially independent? Is that oh. is that evil? Consider right, mm-hmm. right? It's 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 not. Mm-hmm. But if you get stuck there, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and the incentives of the red pill in the manosphere is to keep men stuck in an economic position where you continue buying individual content creators' products. Yeah. And so you live within their worldview and you never graduate out of their worldview. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. then you get stuck there and you fall into a cult of personality right? And it just becomes a whole thing. It's a very human thing. Yeah. And then that's when it actually goes from being like, this saved my life to now I am a devoted follower of X a and that person. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And it's, <clears throat> and I, and I, are you comfortable with mentioning, mentioning names? I'm not going to do anything sure. derogatory. Um, this, this yeah. is the, this is the fascination I have. And I think a lot of people have with Andrew Tate. Yeah, um, he was he was he was hanging around outside the conversation to welcome him in. Yeah, oh yeah, bring it. him on in. Listen, yeah, let, for sure. He's it's the first he's, time I've talked about him. He's the guy that did the red pill the best. I mean, that's really yeah, what the it comes down predator to. Predator of the manosphere, <laughs> right? And that's that's actually a good title. He would probably he probably like that. Um, but I'll tweet it tomorrow. There you go. <laughs> Just, I I, but when you when you look at who he is, he, to your point, he met guys where they were. Um, and in a lot of, in a lot of sense said things that a lot of good men weren't willing to say Mm. about the times, um, you know, about, there was a lot that he said, it was funny. He, I was watching an interview with him, uh, on this podcast called full send and he was talking about, yeah, it's crazy. Full saying that's, it should be the name of your podcast, actually. It should, should um, be the name of this podcast. <laughs> he, uh, he was talking about, uh, he was talking about Christianity. And he said, and I, he said a lot that I didn't agree with. But one of the things that he said was, is that if you can make fun of a, a if you can make fun of a religion's God or head figure, you know, is that, he said, is that a religion worth following? Now, I don't agree with that on a fundamental level because God, in some sense, set up that we would be mocked, that we would be ridiculed. Like, that's part of the deal. Yep. But what I did, what I did, what did resonate with me is the idea that do, do Christians actually defend their faith today or do we apologize for it? And I find... Doug Wilson does a really good job at this. Um, but beyond him, I don't uh, Doug Wilson, uh, Daryl Langshore, Michael Foster, uh, Jeff Durbin, Toby, Toby yeah, right, Vody yeah. Bauckham, right? Those are the guys. But that list is a lot smaller than the list of 
influential, what they call cool table pastors uh, that I find don't um, defend the faith, that I find do apologize for the texts that are a little bit harder to stomach. And so um, for me, him, him having that commentary as a non-Christian, he says he's Christian. I, I, I can't see he's the fruit of Christian. that. I can't see the fruit he's of that at all. Um, but at all. but for, for him to say that as a non-Christian um, is, is interesting because it, 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 it gets me thinking, you know, what, what, is, what is the public perception of Christianity? And, I, and I, it seems to me that it is um, the, 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 the faith that you can make fun of. The faith that you can make fun of mm-hmm. with really no repercussions. Um, right. And maybe that's part of the deal. Right. Maybe that's, again, how God set it up in some sense. Um, but I don't know. I, I, I find my I, I don't like that. <laughs> and maybe that's my flesh talking. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think so at all. I don't think so at all. And, and here's here's my response to that. And, and my my response to that is like, OK, you think Christians are weak and you want to make fun of our God. Wait until you hear Christians that really say what we think and then you will bend the knee. Because we're not going to be apologetic to you, whoever you are. Yeah. You live a fallen, sinful, immoral life, mm-hmm. and you have violated God's law, mm-hmm. and you will suffer for eternity for it. Mm-hmm. Bend the knee to Christ, repent <laughs> publicly for all that you have done, yeah. and then you will be forgiven because everything that you pursue on earth is vanity. Mm-hmm. And you are, mm-hmm. you know, and wait until you hear that. Hear that. And then yeah. you're like, whoa, 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 bro. Whoa, yeah, you're so easy. judgmental, bro. Easy, easy, well, easy. Easy, man, easy. <laughs> it's like, that's, and those, that's the thing. It's like Christianity is a world conquering religion. It is. Put, the, put, his, put your enemy, put his enemies under Christ's feet. Mm-hmm. It's a world conquering religion. Christianity yeah. hasn't been doing that for the right. past, as far as I can tell, a few generations, right? <laughs> and so that's the thing is I, I post about this on Twitter a lot. Uh, I posted on Instagram. It's like, okay, you want to make fun of Christians being weak? You're going to really complain when Christians are strong. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> right? yeah, and there's no, mad. you're going to be real mad. So, <laughs> hey, you, you, you know, so it's like, okay, you can make fun of Christ. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, wait and wait until all <laughs> oh, this is why like people like Toby and, you know, and Doug is that, you know, especially Doug is that they're unapologetic. They are. And they're, and they're apologetics are unapologetic. They're apologetics right? or unapologetic. They don't apologize yeah. in their apologetics. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. And they, and they piss off. They piss off people within big Eva, you know, mm-hmm. the nice Christians, the winsome Christians. And like, right. look, that these guys are building gigantic platforms. And it's not even that they're building huge platforms. It's that people are moving from across the country to Moscow. They are. They're moving across the country to go to Apologia. It's mm-hmm. like they're, they want to go to churches that preach the word and mm-hmm. that don't preach, you know, the feel good gospel. They preach, you know, sin repentance and salvation yeah amen that's they they because they recognize that we live in a fallen sinful world and they yeah. thirst for it yeah. and it may be small right now but like the church was pretty small in the roman empire too it was listen i we we live 40 minutes from the church that we're a part of now and everybody's like that's crazy why would you just we have a ton around us um and no disrespect uh but this church that's 40 minutes away preaches line by line in books, in the books of the Bible. It's not a lot of fluff. It's not a motivational speech. Yeah. It's just line by line. Yeah. Here's what the word of God says. And mm-hmm. here's in light of what it says, what we need to be doing. Yeah, pretty clear. It's so simple, right? And, and people are like, why are you driving 40 minutes? I said, it's the only church I've found in the area. There's a lot of churches yeah. in the South, man. Not a lot that preach line by line. And that's yeah. the sad part about it. Um, 
expository preaching is is uh is not popular um no it's just not um one of the things that when you said when you said it um that you know doug wilson and jeff durbin a lot of your guys i don't know if it's jeff durbin post mill because i'm about to say something yeah all the all the reformed baptists i think are are pretty post mill at this point so here's here's the thing i think the the christians and this is probably i think this is the case the christians that aren't actively defending the faith and that are really pushing the needle in culture are non-post mill believing. And I think it's because they have a declinist view. Like they think that it's the, the, the reign of Christ has not happened. And so we're going to decline. It is what it is. And the post mill position, (laughs) go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh no! Like hide in the basement. The rapture's coming. Left hide in the basement. The rapture's coming. Yeah, which is crazy. Yeah. It's like, why are you hiding in the basement? The rapture's coming. It's like, aren't you going to be taken up? It's kind of weird. Yeah, stock up and just wait for the end to come. Yeah, exactly. yeah. It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. It's a whole, it's thing. A whole thing. And 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 the yeah. post mill position is is a very optimistic one. It's that no, Christ is already reigning, and mm-hmm. we need to go forth and conquer. And so I don't doesn't I, mean it's going to be easy, but yeah, no, it doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy. It doesn't mean there won't be mockery. It doesn't mean there won't be suffering. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I, and so, I wonder if that's where the. I think that's where the the split is in evangelicalism is in mm-hmm. your eschatology, and your eschatology, I guess, determines how you act. Right? If you if, mm-hmm. if you think that it's all declinist and there's no point, um, then mm-hmm. yeah, why would you ever produce? You know content right like it's there's no yeah. point it's all why try up. why try why try and the postman mm-hmm. position seems to be a little bit more optimistic so i'm i'm not i'm not post mill yet i didn't grow up that way um mm. but mm. more and more it it appeals to me and it appeals sure. to me i think because i i want to i want my life to count um mm-hmm. and really count uh and and really really help advance the gospel in my own household yeah. and then in my, in my neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I mean, this is, you know, race in the Renaissance. I mean, how cool would it be to have a revival of deeply devoted black families that are Christian, right? Where dads are home Amazing. and moms are together and, and, and there's, there's, there's economic productivity. Like how cool would that be to see that in my lifetime? And I, I'd love to be a part of that in any way that I can. Um, I think I think the economic thing is happening in a lot of spaces. I'm I'm knee deep into um, uh, one of these guys I love. They're called the podcast is called Earn Your Leisure, and so they're very centered mm-hmm. around uh, their their motto is assets over liabilities is kind of their thing, and so they're very <laughs> focused yeah, on. That's... It's cool. It's 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 a really good podcast, um, and I, I've I've learned a lot from them, and I think the economic thing between them and um uh anthony o'neill uh has got to have my podcast mm-hmm. between those two i remember that yeah it i think that i think that the economic thing is really starting to turn around what i think is next is a reformation from a faith perspective because mm-hmm. um i don't want us to worship mammon <laughs> please no <laughs> right like yeah that's not good either <laughs> <laughs> no. 
you know, um, it's, not a, it's not a solution. Like worshiping mammon is not a solution to poverty. And it feels like it is. I, and I get that. It feels like yeah. it is when you, when you're hungry, it feels like the, the only thing you should do is just get cash. That's your mindset. Um, yeah. but, but you're, you're not just hungry for that. You're hungry for a relationship with God. You're hungry for a relationship with your brother. You're hungry for a, a genuine family connection. Um, mm-hmm. and that I don't think is drummed up enough. I think the economic thing is big right now. You could probably go knee deep. There's a thousand, thousands of podcasts on, you know, generational wealth and, and all that, which is great. I'm glad to see that happen. Um, and a little bit less on uh, faith reformation. And, mm-hmm. um, I think there's a, I think there's, there's room for that. Um, there's definitely room for that. I think we need to kind of think about that <laughs> as times yeah. get, as times get a little bit more hard. <laughs> Men, I'll cut right to it. There's probably something missing from your life, and I bet you don't even know. And that is a mission or purpose. A mission is more than a job, a career, or even a vocation or hobby. It's bigger than that. It's a godly pursuit that underlies all your most significant thoughts, words, and actions. If you seek to lead your family and your household, your purpose is the direction you're leading yourself in, and therefore your family undertakes the journey with you. Your purpose takes you beyond yourself, challenges you to expand your self-concept, confront your fears, acquire new skills, forge durable bonds of friendship and brotherhood, and most importantly, helps you contribute to the rebuilding of civilization. If that sounds too good to be true, it isn't, because your purpose is a gift. But here's the catch. To receive that gift, you must be ready for it. And that is the nature of my coaching. I'm a man who has been blessed with a purpose, and it's more than just this podcast. I've got something I'm working on behind the scenes that I know you're going to love, and pursuing that purpose has taught me the secrets of what it takes to cultivate purpose. Now I want to pass it on to you, and to do that, we have work to do. Email me at info at to start the conversation and schedule a free 30-minute consultation. Mention the code word PURPOSE, and I'll offer 10% off a 12-week package. I'll also let you in on my top secret purpose behind the scenes so you can see that I know what I'm talking about. Once again, email me at info at and mention the code purpose to get 10% off a 12-week package. I started the Renaissance of Men to help men become the best versions of themselves through self-knowledge. If that sounds like you or the version of yourself you want to be, email me and let's get started. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think, I think part of it is because once you start talking about real Christian faith, Mm. that flies in the face of the world. And as we've talked about before in previous episodes, the world has sold black people a particular culture. Mm. It's marketed commercialized culture. Mm -hmm. And that culture that says that culture of victimhood identity, right. In all of its various forms. And that's very fallen, like, I was going to do a tweet this week. Like I go to a, I go to a gym nearby. It's a boxing gym and they play hip hop, you know, rap during, you know, cause that's what people listen to when they work out. And in like one day I heard like wet ass pussy, a song called snatch, right. In this, in this, uh, and big dick energy. 
and she got a little butt. So what? Like, it's just like, what? What is happening? Yeah, man. Right? And so that's what's been, that's what's been sold. And you got to let all that go. And as we've talked about, like, it's tough to let that go. And so, you know, if you want to talk about real, like, you not only have to let go of your attachment to the world, but you have to let go of so many of your brothers and sisters that have that same attachment to the world. It's like you are suddenly like you kind of have to cash in your black card do you, if do you want to follow Christ, right? Yeah. Some percentage of it, at least, you know, yeah. or you can do what code switching is what they call it, right? Code switching. <laughs> yeah. Code switching. It, well, it is. It's. It's. Yeah. You, you How does to, he know all that? How does Will all know all this? I, 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 it's amazing. It's, it's so y'all. <laughs> what y'all don't understand is that Will's actually invited to the cookout. Will is uh, light skin. It's my light skin brother, <laughs> and uh, he's going to be cooking the ribs. So it'll be okay. Be good. <laughs> I'll start practicing. <laughs> Cooking the ribs and making the jello shots. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you got it. But I, Gladly. But it is. It's You have to cash in at least, at least I would say, uh, the the prescribed black card. Because I would say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you know what I'm the saying? The traditional one. Yes, exactly. And, and, and it's funny because I think that a lot of your, a lot of those, like so, Anthony O'Neill pushes that envelope a lot when it comes to the economic. He does. He's not playing the victim card. He's like, "Hey, here's what you can do to better your situation economically. Here's the step by step plan." Mm-hmm. Same thing with earn your leisure guys, um, and the same thing with a lot of those content creators in that space. And so, I think that momentum, I think that has a lot more momentum than maybe what is given credit for. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think the victim thing is, I think the victim thing is acknowledged, at least in terms of what happened um, in transatlantic slavery. Which I'm just tired of having that conversation, if I'm honest. Yeah, for sure. Um, for sure. You know what I mean? Because it's but so much more complicated than that. Like, it's a lot more complicated than that. Um, you know, Matt Walsh put a thing, he got some heat for this, but he put a blog up or a tweet up uh, about, um, English men actually being enslaved during that time period as well. Oh yeah, areas. Arabic slave trade was terrible. Arabic slave trade. Well, Arabic slave trade. So it was. It was. Uh, and I don't know if it was Arabic or if it was Muslim Africans that actually had that were that sold um, black people to uh, the the uh, the Europeans. I, I can't yeah. remember. Oh yeah, um, both. Both. Right. So okay. So you look at that and then you say, okay. How can, like, every blood's on everybody's hands? Blood's on All everybody's hands, right? Mm-hmm. Every people group was involved in that. It's and and wealth wealth was actually more the determining factor than race was in a lot of cases. Mm-hmm. Um, but they don't want to have that conversation. But no, because it's <laughs> it's a narrative, right? It's the shame narrative. The mm-hmm. shame narrative you should be ashamed of who and what you are as an American or as a white person, as if I, ha- as if I participate in some sort of corporate guilt over transatlantic slavery. Like that's the thing that they don't answer is like, if my immigrants came over to the United States in the late 1800s after slavery was abolished, why does my skin color enlist me into corporate guilt? Right. Like my ancestors were Jewish and came over with, you know, as far as I know, came over with nothing mm-hmm. from Europe, escape, escaping that. And so it's like somehow like they didn't have any privilege, yeah. right? They lived yeah. in ghettos, like, you know, yeah. and, and, but that, that level of resolution, you know, you're not, that's why, you, that's when you start getting shamed for even talking about it. Like, oh, right. you know, the names, the name calling starts coming out because these questions can't be asked. They're not allowed to be asked. No. Well, uh, well you can't ask that question. 
you can't ask the question about um, how is it that that uh, how, how you can't ask the question how black people used to be wealthy that there used to be an entire demographic of black people that funded Marcus Garvey, that funded Malcolm X, that funded Martin Luther oh, King, uh, right? Now we're, now oh, we're to it. Yeah. oh, you can't ask that question. Um, but it's an honest one. It's like, yeah. so, so how did that happen? Right. Did somehow 16 another, million black millionaires, something like that is the statistic. Like, so tell you, right. So you get black wall street, you've got all these different areas and that's not the only one black wall street is just the one that's top of mind. There were a lot of wealthy black communities again, prior to the civil rights movement, but you can't ask that question, right? Nope. You can only say it's because of you that I don't have anything. So the only way that I can get something is that if you give me what you got, and that's mm-hmm. the bottom line, which it, we all know, is 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 marxism bro it, it, it you, yeah. you can't refute it it's it's all it is is taken from people that you're jealous of bottom line mm-hmm. it's a religion it's a religion it's a religion with its own sacraments its own disciples um and its own churches uh its churches are most uh most universities right mm-hmm. and its disciples yeah. are most as you know <laughs> right that's where yeah. i came from and it's and it's yeah. so deep in there i mean and 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 it's got different, you've got different flavors of Marxism. You've got your, your female centric feminism version of Marxism. You've got your, mm-hmm. uh, you know, your uh, uh, race centric version of Marxism with, with Black Lives mm-hmm. Matter and stuff like that. And then you mm-hmm. have the, you know, LGBTQ situation. Mm-hmm. All of those mm-hmm. are um, forms and flavors of uh, social disruption. And then, you know, of course, social revolution is the ultimate goal of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and they never really tell you what the revolution is going to entail either. They don't tell you what's, what's on the other side of it. That's uh, right. But, you know, I, I guess it'll be better than heaven. It'd be your best life now, you know? <laughs> uh, right. By the way, just, I, I want to dig into this real quick, but this was, I was part of, as I've talked about this before. I was part of Occupy Wall Street in 2012 when I lived in San Francisco. Yeah. And, um, and one of the, like, I, this was before all the social justice stuff. They were protesting. Uh, I was protesting the bailout of the big banks who are clearly, you know, malfeasance and the whole thing with the economic crash. Like that's why I was involved. Oh yeah. But one of the, but I, I was talking to all of these activists and I was trying to get them to paint a picture of the world that they wanted to live in. Like paint an active, positive picture, like describe, like paint the picture for me of what it's going to look like. And they never would. Mm. And I always found that to be really interesting. Like, mm. what do you mean? You can't envision the world that you that you want to live in because yeah. it's the, it has no positive vision. Like you said, they can't actually tell you what their utopia is like. Well, mm. you can ask them like, just give me a good base tax rate. Like what, what percentage should we be paying in income taxes? Like mm. 70%, 80%. They won't answer the question really? because it forces them to be actively accountable. Like if you meet someone who's like, I think our base tax rate should be 80%. Yeah. That gives you an actual place to debate. But instead they focus on the things they hate about the current order. They never envision and they're taking, they're being taken advantage of essentially, right? Because they can't, they don't know what they're in favor of. They just know what they're against. And that was one of the first things that started to change my mind. Like maybe this ideology isn't everything that I think it is. <laughs> maybe so. I mean, it, maybe that, maybe there's no solution. Maybe the solution is just destruction and, and famine. Yeah. Who that's knows? their solution. Yeah. If we make everyone equally poor, our nature-based religion, we can worship the earth because 
the divine mother needs to be worshipped above all because don't look at the divine father. Oh, yeah. Don't look, don't, at look at, mm-hmm. don't look at the divine father, right? Because order is bad. Order is bad. It's, it's, uh, reality is, a, is oppressive and patriarchal, but nature, nature is loving. Nature, nature is, is a loving. loving mother. And abundant. Yeah. yeah. And abundant. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. man. Sleep I mean, overnight. Uh, yeah, go ahead. No, you go ahead. Well, I have a I have a post I'm working on for Instagram about like if you think nature is a loving mother, spend 24 hours alone overnight, naked in the wilderness without tools, and you'll see how lo- what a loving mother nature is. Nature nature actually is not loving or kind. Um, we just went through a drought, um, no rain oh, wow. for two or three months. All wow. of my clients. So th- I, for those of you that don't know, I, I I run a business called the Suburban Farm Guy. What we do is we we help busy families in the suburbs have an opportunity to grow their own food, organic and, and local. And mm-hmm. what we had to do this summer, because there was no rain in Tennessee, I mean, legitimately from beginning of June to the middle of August, there was no rain. That's unusual, I'm guessing. It's very, very unusual. Um, I was like, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> are you about to send yeah. locusts or what, man? What are you doing? And, uh, and we had to cut up everybody's uh, irrigation mm-hmm. to three times a day. We had to cut up everybody's irrigation system to spit out water on the crops three times a day. Otherwise, we would have lost everything. Now, I've got farmers mm-hmm. that I'm friends with that grow in fields, no irrigation. They rely on rain. And they got to the point this summer where they were just like, look, we're just going to have to pick what's going to die and what's going to live because a lot of things are going to die. Um, I could give you an example in terms of metrics. So a typical hay field, the typical hay field, if you're raising cows, would give you 500 round bales of hay. Okay? Okay. That same hay field this year only produced 200 round bales of hay. Oh, wow. Okay. So what is that going to do to this? You know, what is that going to do to supply chain when it comes to beef? What does that do for a lot of different scenarios? Um, and so when you recognize when you recognize how unforgiving and indifferent nature is to you, why would you ever worship nature? Mm-hmm. Nature is what it well, is. I mean, it's, 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 uh, it's creation, right? God, 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 you know, lets it rain on the just as well as the unjust. But again, he's in control of that and he doesn't really care necessarily how you feel about it. And he's a gracious <laughs> right. God. He's going to take care of you. He's going to love you. But he has an objective that's above your pay grade. It just is. And so if yeah. he wants to make it drought for two and a half months, he's going to make it drought for two and a half months to prove a point, uh, to, to communicate something to the rest of the world, whatever it is. But it's independent of your appreciation or acknowledgement of it happening. He, he does what he does. He's sovereign. Um, mm-hmm. And Folk, the folks don't like a sovereign God. Folks would rather worship the gods, right? Because the gods will give them stuff. They'll give them free lunch. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you worship the gods long enough, you get a free lunch out of the deal. But I mean, at the cost of your soul. So like, great job on your ham sandwich. There goes your eternity. You know what I mean? Like that's quite a bargain. <laughs> well, if you don't believe in eternity, right? You're giving up something that, you know, that's the thing that doesn't make sense is that, you know, all these musicians... And there are all kinds of videos on YouTube about it, talk about selling their soul and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Like the only reason you can actually do that is because you think you don't actually have a soul to sell. It's true. Because if you're like, like why, like no rational thinking human being, and maybe they're also not thinking rationally, mm-hmm. no rational thinking human being would be like, so wait a minute, 
you're going to, I have a soul and I have an eternity, which means there's a heaven and hell, which means that uh, I'm going to give it to you and you're going to give me money and I'm going to go to hell for eternity. (laughs) Like, okay, I'll take that deal. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's retarded. The only reason that anyone could possibly do that is because they don't actually, they don't actually believe that what they're giving is real. And I'm sure that the, the demons, the devils are like, cool, (laughs) here you go. Have all the wealth you want. Enjoy. (laughs) Enjoy that. Enjoy that. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a wild trade, man. It's a, it's a wild trade. And I, you know, like I said, when when I, when I recognize how powerful the spiritual world is, um, Mm -hmm. how could you not pray and accept the gracious gift of salvation from those realities affecting you? How could you not? It's like, dude, do you know that there are like, there are like demonic forces constantly trying to invade your space and deal with you harshly and your family and your mind and your soul? And then, and then to make matters worse, it's not just that they're doing that. They're also controlling other people and organizations to enact harm on you too. And you're just like, nah, I'm going to just bop around, go to my job and boop, boop, boop. Let's see what's on Netflix and boop, boop, boop. I'm going to go to bed. Oh, there's some porn. Let me log in and look at that. It's like, dude, mm-hmm. are you, are you aware of what's going on? Yeah. And I don't think people understand that this, this spiritual, spiritual warfare is a legitimate thing. Like it's actually happening. Um, and if you don't recognize that after 2020, God bless you. God bless you, my man. Uh, literally, literally. Yeah. <laughs> well, we started out the conversation. I got two things to say about that. Yeah. We started out the conversation talking about all the different esoteric, magical, spiritual stuff that I've done. Mm-hmm. And um, let me tell you, like between ayahuasca, um, 5-MeO DMT, and a, 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 a Vipassana meditation retreat, right? These are, these are high-grade, high-octane experiences that take you from the material realm to the other side that's what they're designed to do Mm -hmm. like ayahuasca is like a slow like a uh, an overnight kind of thing dmt is a rocket trip to the center of the universe and like meditation if you do it right is the same kind of thing and i've seen shit just gonna tell you that and i was on the psychic i was on the psychedelic christian podcast a couple weeks ago and that'll be coming out and i talk about some of the stuff i saw in my ayahuasca experiences Mm -hmm. it's like there's no getting around it. There's absolutely no getting around it. So that's the first thing. And I've said this to guys and I'm like, yeah, well, that's, they, they've said it like, well, that's just a cope. I'm like, okay. <laughs> right. And so wow. the other name of the guy that we've been, yeah, the other, the other name of the guy that's been dancing around outside this podcast is John Calvin. <laughs> and John Calvin has a reason why some guys just don't, don't see like it. Him. Don't like him. Mm-hmm. Don't like him. Can't, they can't see these things. They are, they are, they're, I mean, it's a tough, it's a really challenging theology. We're talking about pre-mill versus post-mill, mm-hmm. you know, and, and, and all that stuff. And it's like, well, what John Calvin's got a bit to say about, you know, why maybe people don't get these things because they're what some people are irredeemably as well from God's perspective, right? You mm-hmm. don't actually know any person you're talking to, right? But some people are, are irrede- irredeemably fallen and, mm-hmm. and not everyone's going to hear that, be able to hear that call, right? We don't know who, but like, yeah. it's a fact, right? It's a fact. Yeah. Well, uh, uh, what is it? Uh, Paul says, and he's reverting to, and he's quoting Old Testament. He says, uh, Jacob, I love Esau. Have I hated? Right. And, mm-hmm. and it's like, why would you create something that you hate? 
Mm-hmm. And it's and then then you have to think about and C.S. Lewis actually had a lot to say about this because he said he asked somebody, haven't you ever written or drawn a character in a book that you didn't like? Right. And if you're an author, mm-hmm. somebody that's wrote stories, you have. You've mm-hmm. wrote stories sure. and there's a character in there that's a that's a, a antagonist, right? A character in there that is deliberately created to express everything that is wrong with the world. That's mm-hmm. why that character exists. When you look at it from that standpoint and you understand God as being an author, it gives you mm-hmm. a sense of appreciation, I think, that you wouldn't otherwise have because it's not by your own ability or your own merit or because you're so cute or because you've accumulated enough wealth that God allowed you to think the way that you think about him. It's a gift. Mm-hmm. It's an actual gift. And when you recognize that you're, you're spared from eternally separation from him and spared from yeah. the demonic that's all over this world, yo, you ought to be shouting. You ought to be like black missionary Baptist shouting. You ought to be mm-hmm. dancing down the house. You know what yes. I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Thank well, you. I know exactly what you, you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That it's is literally... Deal. That's literally why I go as hard as I do on social media. Mm-hmm. It's like, look, and, I, and I've rubbed a lot of guys the wrong way about it, right? right? Not because I'm actively trying to, but like because, because they got to know me and all of a sudden I've gotten more Christian over the past couple of years. It's, it's been less than two years since I was baptized, by the way. Like this right. is Labor, Labor Day Sunday is like the two-year anniversary of my baptism. So wow. it's been a really quick trans- tr- uh, turnaround. And it's like, for me, I've done all these like objectively forbidden things. I was brought through all those objectively fit, forbidden things safely, mm-hmm. right? And I was delivered into, um, into the hands of some of the most loving Christians I've ever met, the people from Burning Man who introduced me to Christ and who baptized me, who, by the way, I'll announce it right now, they're going to be the two-year anniversary guests on my podcast. So it's the first time they're going to be telling their story of their 12-year ministry at Burning Man, the first time they're going to be telling it publicly, wow. which is I'm really excited That's about. Awesome. It's really cool. Yeah. So like deliver me into their hands. And then, and then I went on my big around the world journey and came back safely. And then I found my way into like one of the best churches in America at Apologia with yeah. real solid preacher, you know, preaching cultural word. And it's like recognizing like chosen from the foundations of the earth. And, and it's like, I have been taken care of spectacularly well. Yeah, I'm going to shout this from the, yeah, I'm going to shout this from the rooftops and look at the world around me. Like 2020 happened. Like mm-hmm. I can't be saying anything you know, that that's too controversial. Right. But yeah, if it's for that very reason, right. It's like, how could I not be excited to be here? Like, praise God, I made it. Like what? God, how did I get here? Yeah. How did, how did Will get here is actually the question that everybody wants to know who the yes. heck is Will and how did he just end up here? Super Christian yeah. on fire for God and, uh, and handsome. Look at that. Look at that beard. Come on, the man. Beard. Come on, dude. Look it's like, that. The cummer, I've heard, I've heard uh, that I'm the bow tie and the cummerbund on the, you are on the, the manosphere. <laughs> you are, bro. So, someone said that to me once. Yeah, one time. Or left it in the comments section. I don't know who that was. <laughs> Maybe both. Dude, you have to, I, I hate, I hate you have to bounce. We need to do, we need to do a race in the Renaissance five, six, and seven. We, of course. Yeah. No, I got, I got, I got, I got five or 10 minutes. Like let's, let's keep, let's keep this going. I want to wrap it up because I think we're talking about some important stuff right now because you know, and, and what I actually am really curious about is all this is showing up in your life in a really big way. Like you're doing the thing, you're doing the generational wealth thing. You're doing the entrepreneurship thing. You're st- striking out into the world and trying to make something, you know, for your family and trying to, and trying to lead as a black man and, and, and your family and faith. And, and like, how is this experience been for you since you've, um, 
since you ventured out on your own way, but it's all the things, right? Like it's everything at once. It's 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 everything at once, man. And and it's um it's it's like I I was I was telling somebody the other day, um there's 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 a few things in life I think that give you as much humility as creating something and offering it to someone and them telling you no. Right. Yeah. Like it's it's nothing nothing has humbled me more in my life. Because I think this thing is dope. I think this thing is like, this is it. This is gonna be the it thing. Is. And then people are just like, nah, man, it's not it for me. It's like, yeah. Okay. And I think it's good for me to have been through this because I grew up in a relatively sheltered um, existence. I grew up in a relatively protected existence. And so rejection and 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 I've, I'm the personality type that is very uh, likable, agreeable. I'm able to get people to like. Me. Um, but it's quite different. I like you. Thanks. Appreciate it. Hmm. But it's different when you try to get somebody not just to like you, but to part ways with their wealth. Very, very different. Tell me about it, yeah. You have to be astoundingly, um, you have to be astoundingly honest, but then you also have to be convincing. You have to, you have to really appeal to their problem, right? If it's actually a problem that they want solved, do, right. For, for me, does my client actually want to slow down and grow their own food for their family and tend to their health and tend to their, 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 um, their family unit? Do they actually want to do that? If so, I'm here to help and guide that transition from the busyness of suburban life because suburban life is just busy. I don't think people really understand what, because people always look at folks that are in the suburbs as, oh, well, you know, rich people problems or whatever. And, and there's a little bit of that, right? Like, oh, yeah, who's, sure. who's going who's gonna to clean my pool today, right? That, that happens. But, but the, what I don't think people really understand is that those fathers in that household started out trying to, and, and maybe even still are trying to create something for their families, a legacy for their families. And somewhere between maybe kid two or kid three or four, um, things got really hectic. Things got to the place where they needed to outsource a lot. Things got to the place where, mm-hmm. you know, mom may or may not be stressed out um, because she's running around with the kids or running around taking the soccer practice or whatever the thing is. And so there's, there's a lot of hurry and there's a lot of busyness all because of all, because I think the, the mindset was if I can get to this next level, then everything will be sorted out. Then there'll be more peace. Then there'll be more contentment, et cetera. But what you find is, is that the, the contentment and peace that comes from God and that's genuine and it's long lasting is only really going to come with tending to your, your own things that he's given you to tend to. Um, mm-hmm. There's definitely a period I would imagine where business just is hectic and it is what it is. Um, but at some point you have to be able to fall back or step back from that and say, what's really valuable. Like you're not going to get to the end of your life and say, I wish, I wish we would have bought, uh, X amount more real estate properties, or I wish we would have spent, you know, more time working. At the end of your life, you're right. gonna be wondering how much time did I spend with my kids? Like, what kind of people are they? You know, what's the character? Right? Do they love God? Do they love being a blessing to the world? And for me, like, 
the place that I've been able to best express those values and that vision is in a garden because you're, you're, you're having to humble yourself to, to a reality that's above you, right? To, I mean, God, right? God created the world. And if it don't rain, it don't rain. And you have to figure out how to, how to deal with that. Um, and, and then the, the, the togetherness that happens from a family up under that reality all together, working towards a common purpose, which is food, which is the thing that keeps us going. And there's just this beautiful picture of um, redemption. There's this beautiful picture of uh, forgiveness that happens around the table. There's just, I mean, and, and the theology is all over the place with it too. I mean, literally in, at the end of days when we're all in heaven, we're going to be at the, the marriage feast of the lamb. We're going to be sitting at a big table eating food, mm-hmm. not because we're hungry, but because we're celebrating something. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're celebrating the, the, the fact that a family has been brought together. That's what we're celebrating, the reconciliation of God's children, God's people with Christ. You know, it's, it's, it's beautiful, man. And so if I can create and help usher just a, a small little story version of that, micro version of that, uh, with, 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 you know, spraying some, some tomatoes and, and, and making sure you guys don't have bugs. Heck, sign me up, (laughs) sign me up, you know, that's a godly pursuit. That's like one of the godliest pursuits, right? Thank you. Yeah. 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 For sure. Yeah. Being able to, to do that for, for clients is, is, is a big reward. And I haven't communicated that enough with them. I think one of the things, and I'll say this, and and I know you got to, Bounce, but I, one of the biggest things I think, uh, whenever God gives you a vision, is you have to be very, very diligent and deliberate about protecting that vision. And I think in the age of social media, when everything is a flex, uh, when everything is about self promotion, when everything is about kind of narcissistic stuff, um, you can lose sight of the vision really quick. And so what I, what I would like to do uh, for a suburban farm guy and for BH is to always be communicating out to folks that follow, as well as just for my own mind to remember why God brought me here. God didn't bring you here just to make pretty gardens, brother. God didn't right. bring you here just so you'd have a spot on HGTV if that ever happens. God brought you here to bring into focus the family to bring into focus the, the benefit and blessing of discipling the next generation. That's what you're a part of. Small part. I, I recognize that, but a part yeah. nonetheless. And, 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 and I take that, I need to take that more seriously than I do. And I intend to, man, I just, we gotta, man. And even with Renaissance, man, man we gotta keep the vision always before us because social media is just, it, it can, it can be a situation where you're trying to compete. And, and, and you're, we're competing is competing has its place. We need to be vision oriented if we're going to do the work God wants us to do and do it well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, this afternoon I went to the, um, the music industry, the, the music instrument museum in Phoenix It's a new museum. It just opened up like 10, 10 years ago. It's incredible. It's incredible. And as, um, and this will speak to some of the things you just said, there's an exhibit called the artist's hall where they have musical instruments and costumes and stuff like that 
from and and from performers like world renowned performers like they have um like Johnny Cash's black man in black suit they have Elvis they have Elvis Presley's one his military uniform they have um they have the Bob Marley and the Wailers drum kit like it's stuff that should legit be at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame wow. right Buddy Rich's drum kit it's a ama- it's an incredible museum I was blown away yeah. and I was looking at all of these and I was looking at all of these artists and knowing what happened <clears throat> to so many of them like they had Johnny Cash's um, the music video for Hurt. You know, he covered that Nine Inch Nails song, Hurt. It's beautiful. It was him at the very end of his life. And he just, the man just looks like broken. You know, he's just, he, he looks, he's, he's had a hard life, right? Yeah. And I was reflecting that all of these, all of these artists, um, and this is not just in music, but they use their gifts to serve themselves mm. because they don't, have, they don't have a theology that says, no, these are gifts, which means the gifts have a giver. And the gifts are meant to serve the giver of those gifts. Mm-hmm. And you always got to keep that like front and center, like this gift that I've been given, the gifts that you've been given are all to serve God because he, he gave us these gifts in the first place. Man. And that brings him glory and brings us satisfaction and pleasure. And it never risks us mistaking, oh, this is just for me. Mm-hmm. You know, this like, that's where, that's where guys get lost is, is they start saying, oh, uh, oh, my gifts, my ideas, or whatever, and they think it's all for their own glorif- glorification, and that has a natural endpoint to it. Amen. You know, where it's like you will never satisfy yourself with it. But no. if you do it to glorify God, the fruit that'll be produced is endless and delicious and wonderful. It may not be the same a magnitude of what you'll get back if you do it for yourself. Correct. But the but the flavor of it would be completely different, right? Amen. And that's what I love about what you're doing is that I'm glad that you said that about how you think of suburban farm guy, because that's glorifying God with your gifts that you clearly have. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I pray that I just keep that same focus in the midst of it. Um, yeah. Obviously we got to make money. Obviously we have to grow. Yeah. Uh, it's just part of the deal. But if I grow and make money, but I don't, I don't reunite families at the dinner table. I'm not yeah. doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And the Lord won't bless right. it. The money's not blessed. Uh, and, and, and unblessed money comes with stress, <laughs> right? That's, that's, yeah. that's Proverbs, right? God will add wealth to you with no stress. But if you go out and you toil and you try to get it, you grind and you white knuckle, you don't have plenty of stress, man. I, I, uh, mm-hmm. I got enough stress, my man. I don't need any more yeah. of that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I fully, you know, recommend that you surface those values really clearly in your social media and on your website. Cause I think people are looking for them. Not everyone's, not everyone's going to connect with that. Of course. You know, a lot of people, as I'm sure you know, they want the they want the 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 garden as a status symbol, right? Because all these basic things are status symbols. But if you actually like put it out, there, like, no, this is this is to recreate. You don't have to say biblical, but this is to recreate. You know, the family, family tradition, the family. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. there are a lot of people like that's awesome, and I I'm I'm double in. No, I'm double in now. <laughs> yeah. Oh <laughs> uh, man. Um. I appreciate you letting me run my mouth as always. Dude. This is great. <laughs> you do the same for me, brother. Thank you. Me and you can go best. on for a, for a minute, man. Uh, we really I, could. I'm looking forward to uh, all the new podcasts, especially the Annalise joint. When does that drop? That'll be out in like about two days. It'll be out like today's Tuesday. It'll be out. Yes. I'm really excited. It's like three and a half hours. It was awesome. You, you keep on. You're going to mess around and get a, you're going to get a, uh, what is that? You're going to become a pastor is what I'm trying to say. You keep on. Dude, my dad called me the other day. He's like, Will, you should become a pastor. <laughs> Yo, he literally might, called me out of the blue. Will, I have an happen. idea for you. I think you should be a pastor. <laughs> it might, honestly, 
I mean, you used to be the cleric back in the day. Will the cleric. So, I mean, you've yeah. got the bent. I do. I do. It's always been my post-apocalyptic character classes, cleric. It's always been the case. Listen, than- it is what it is, man. Look, so, some men are men to grow tomatoes. Some men are meant to preach. And I mean, clearly, you're the preaching type. <laughs> yes, I think so. I think so. Yeah. And, and that'll, be, that'll be something to talk about for the next episode which is like the different kinds of men and how they need to learn to work together. Because if my character class is preacher and your character class is farmer, like why do, why do preachers and farmers and soldiers all judge each other? Like you're not enough of a man. It's like, we all need to work together, bro. We need, so we need to book that podcast sooner rather than later, because I'm actually as, as you get older and you recognize that there are, there are things that you can learn from every man. Mm Mm-hmm. Man, because you, you, you recognize you don't get everything that you need from your dad, right? You recognize there's some things that you, he, he can't, one man can't do it all, right? Yeah. So you have to learn from other men. And I think we, I, we need to book that. So let's make okay. that happen we'll before I go off on a tangent, because that is exactly where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm currently building a mastermind of men that are good at what they do and can help me be better at, at what I do and vice versa. Like that, and that's what discipleship is all about. Iron sharpens iron. And so man, so one man sharpens another one. And you yes. need to do that. That just needs to be your life. You just need to be around iron all the time. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. We'll book that and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll set aside some time to really dig into that. Subject. Grace in the Renaissance part five. Oh, it sounded like you said grace, grace in the Renaissance. I like that too. Let's do that. Mm-hmm. Grace. Yeah. In the Renaissance. New podcast change, name change. I Grace love it. in the Renaissance. I love it, man. Yeah. We might actually have to do that. Let's do it. Seriously. Okay. All right. Okay. <laughs> we'll have Race in the Renaissance and Grace in the Renaissance. That won't be comparable. I want to pick That's up great. on it. It'll be fine. It'll be easy. It'll be, be fine. All right, brother. Love you. Thanks for thanks for jumping on. This has been another brilliant conversation. Dude, I'm glad I could do it, man. Let's let's do it again for real. episode of the Renaissance of Men podcast. Visit us on the web at renofmen.com or on your favorite social media platform at Ren of Men. This is the Renaissance of Men. You are the Renaissance.